Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika Soft Gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. This is The Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving. Now, in season two, The Cannamom Show continues on its mission to empower women-centric cannabis businesses by sharing their stories with you. Go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint. Sit back and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. Twenty-one day. We made it to 2021. I think yeah. we, just, we should all get a round of applause for that and yes. welcome back. <laughs> yes. Can you believe it? Although yes. uh, somehow everything hasn't magically changed when the calendar turned to January 1st. I was expecting more, but I know. Uh, we'll Although take I, it. it's, it's been an easy transition from 5781. So. That's right. I actually did make myself a cup of tea today. I took your oh. advice. Look at you. I'm yes. influencing people. I'm an influencer. Okay. And it looks like American politics, our democracy may stand. So I'm feeling okay this morning. Yes. As we record this, Georgia is on the verge of, it looks like, turning the Senate blue. And I just saw this, just came across our news desk. Of the Which will be a week late, but. Right. It will be. But Joe Biden is set to nominate Merrick Garland as his attorney general. So it's a little bit of justice there after what happened to poor Merrick after his nomination. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, like every day it's like I talk about micro leadership, how like, no, no, I'm doing a little bit every day. And if we hurt everybody so badly with microaggressions, we're going to lead the world with micro leadership. Mm -hmm. And it feels like since the dark days, the littlest things that's make me so happy. So. All right. So I'm feeling good and we're okay. And before I introduce my guest, this is sort of a sad thing, but not really a sad thing. So the irony of me being a podcaster is that prior to this, I didn't really even know what a podcast was. I listened to radio. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So I do try to follow some podcasts now and thought maybe I should give a shout out to things I'm listening to. Cool. So one of the things I listened to over break, which was a, so it's described as a audio memoir mm -hmm. and it's called Goodbye to all this. 
a story of a family is told by the mom about her husband's early death and the consequences on her family. And it's by the Australian radio producer and novelist, Sophie Townsend. And it's really sad, but it's so well done. It's just like a nice journey. And I don't know, it's like a, it's a coming out of darkness story. So that's 2021. So if you're looking for something to listen to, it's very well done. And I recommend it. Looks like you can find it on Apple podcast. It's not, to be clear, it's not an audio book. You don't have to pay for it. It's free, right? It's a podcast of audio memoir. And what an interesting description. So, and then before we introduce the guest, one more thing. So I'm cooking with cannabis. Everyone knows I don't cook. My husband does whatever, but I do think this is something people are talking more and more about. And I have a new friend in Boston, right here in Boston, Dave. His name is Sean Morgan. He has Casa Canna Boston. He's an amazing chef. He does infused pastries, which I've had. They're great. They don't taste weedy at all. They taste delicious. My husband had them over the break. He said every day he felt great. Mm. (laughs) Wow. If you can, inventing a pastry that actually makes you feel great. That's a win-win, great, right? Great top of great. So yeah. anyway, so I know that infusing foods is way more complicated and his stuff was beautiful. So I'm thinking of having him come on, maybe do a little segment in February. If anything you guys want to learn how to make, let me know because he can do it apparently. That's cannabis- Casa Canna, Boston. Casa Canna, right? so Boston. And spelled like it sounds, fo- yeah. And you can follow him on Instagram. He's Sean the Infusionist. So, okay, enough about me. Enough about you. Enough about Sean. Let's talk about pot, politics, and religion. <laughs> so when you say make commerce, which is today's guest motto, you might not expect it from her because she is a self-proclaimed feminist revolutionary in a nun's habit. Her idea that activism helps commerce is not traditionally advocated by your typical nun, but today's guest is anything but typical. Her journey from analyst to cannabis sister was circuitous. And she will be share the details with us today. But her true calling arrived when she learned to organize her life in, to be in tune with the life forces of the moon. She works every day with her community at the Sisters of the Valley in California, where she put their beliefs into practice of putting Mother Earth first and second and serving the cannabis plant and producing some really wonderful products for our health and wellness. And we are so happy to begin 2021 on the Cannamom Show with the one and only Sister Kate. Welcome, Sister Kate. Hey, Sister Kate. Thank you, Grace. That was wonderful. <laughs> All right. So your journey, who anyone who doesn't know you, is pretty circuitous. So can you kind of go through from New York financial analyst to Sister Kate? You're a mom. You have a very long mom story. You were divorced, cross-country, destitution, reinvention. You have a mission. So can you fit that all in into five minutes? Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> I've told it so many times that I think it gets shorter and shorter. I think I have a two-and-a-half-minute version I'll do for you, which is that. So I was uh, I had my own consulting company. I was very Republican, actually. My big sin is I voted for Ronald Reagan. I didn't always vote Republican, but I did participate in that disaster. I was a corporate girl. I had my own consulting company. I worked very hard over 10 or 12 years to save money and to make that company thrive. And my husband stole a million dollars and just hit it in very, and that's about what the business had saved. He, he stole everything but like 100000 and hid it in Swiss accounts and all around the world and basically forced me to go through a divorce in order to find out where my money was. And I ended up divorced and penniless, needless to say, with three children. 
we're middle schoolers, like the worst, and there's no good time to be poor and single with children, but with middle schoolers, it's absolutely the worst. And we had had a pretty high quality of life. We had a cook, we had a gardener, we had a housekeeper. We had a good quality of life. My children were used to being raised with some entitlement and, and just a nice quality of life. Even though my husband and I worked very hard for the money that we made, we lived well. And over about 10 years of running my consulting company, we banked over a million dollars and he just swooped on all of it and hit it. And I was so naive as to think that a husband just couldn't do that to his own life. It's like a tree biting off its own limb. I was just so uh, shocked that could even happen. I was so naive. Right. So as a former divorce attorney, I would follow the money. Like that was literally my job. So anyone who's listening to this who actually doesn't believe this is possible, it's possible, people. It's possible. Yeah, and not only that, it's common. Like I would tell women and then they would tell me, oh yeah, that happened to me and that happened to me and that happened to me. So it's not only possible, it's quite common. And here I looked at handling the money like doing laundry. I was too busy creating contracts and wealth through my, what I was good at, which was product development and recurring revenue, uh, consulting with companies in telecom, cable, internet space. So I just let him handle the money. He handled that money right into his own world and far away from me. And then I ended up with the children and I ended up moving to California from Amsterdam, the Netherlands, where we were for like 10 years and my children were in a Dutch school. I came to Kentucky, which was his hometown, which he kind of tricked me into doing in belief that I was saving our marriage. And then when I found out he took all the money, he had no intention of telling me where it was. I moved to Atlanta because the courts would only let me go that far and ultimately to California. So in California, my brother and my brother all the way on the drive from Atlanta to California was telling me how we, I should use my business knowledge to get the cannabis business. And he pretty much, I just, just, just so everyone knows the context, what year is this? Because that's a, it's this a lot is of like 2006. Okay, so it's big, which before this is pre, yes, it's cannabis, early cannabis. Yes, 2006, right, early cannabis. And there had been no collective delivering cannabis in our corner of the world, even though it was happening and it was legal in San Francisco and other places in the middle of California in the agricultural land, no one had done anything like that. So my brother knew that I could orchestrate a board of directors and run a nonprofit. And I remember he was pitching it and all the way out, we were like, I was studying it on my phone and discussing it for these four days. And I get here and we pull in the driveway and I go, so how many plants have you ever grown at one time? And he goes, oh, one. And I'm like, oh my gosh. You want me to found a business and you've ever grown one plant at a time under a big oak in your backyard. OMG. So, but anyway, it did, it is because it was very poor here at the time and like a housing crisis was coming. Yep. I actually did it with him. We, we started growing cannabis and I. So were you, we had, so before in your, in sort of your Republican pre earth life, had you, were you, I, I always say I can't grow anything. Were you a person who was out in nature? Did you ever grow plants? Was that your thing? Like, were you ever? No, no, no. I never grew a tomato. I couldn't, yeah. keep, I couldn't keep plants alive. I even, you no, know, I'm like you. I don't cook and I don't do plants. And don't talk to me about Tupperware because I'll pull my hair out. I don't care that the lids don't match. It's, there's some women that have that and some women that just can't. And I'm one of those who can't. <laughs> So, but anyway, I ended up with like six kids, my brother's two boys, a sister's boy who had a, a heroin addiction that was sent to us and my three children. So six kids from the ages, the youngest one was my daughter who was 11 and the oldest one was like 18 when we started this. 
and my brother's boys. So how am I going to launch a cannabis business with all these kids? Well, we made it. So I made it where I negotiated with all of them. Like they had to promise that I told them if we start a cannabis business, every one of your friends is going to want to. And if you talk about it, everyone's going to rob us. Everyone's going to want weed. So I made them agree to certain things. And some of those things were like, no one could have a closed platform. We, I got to look at their laptops, their phones, their direct messaging at any time, at all times that had to be open. That was a real cool coup for me because that kept everybody in line. So, so, so I know you said it was terrible to get divorced when your kids are teenagers, but you like are, it's such the opposite of what it's normally like. So once all the teenager stuff happens, the teenagers lock you out and you're like, you're showing a new way to raise teenagers. Like, I love this part of the story because you really did transform how they experience yes. life, these kids. Yes. When I came out here, my brother's boys, the oldest two, were complete stoner gamers who were failing in school. So I made them start back at their level in every... So part of the deal was everybody had to take four core subjects at all times, English, math, science, social studies, plus a foreign language and a musical instrument, plus do a volunteer work once a week. So these were the deals I made with them. Plus, they got to grow and consume as much cannabis as they wanted to, as long as they grew our vegetables, because we were on food stamps, and that food stamp said $500 a week for a family of eight went along further if we would just grow all our own vegetables, and that's I, just, so, I think this is like a this is like a story of America. Like this is like how we're going to transform America, like by transforming, <laughs> by, by like changing how our kids experience life. You know, actually, yeah. it did because like all of them went on to get their degrees. Some of two of them are engineers. They're all, but all of them went on. One of them only made it halfway, and that was my youngest son who works for the business. But whatever, the, out of six kids, we got five and a half degrees and two engineers and, and it, it worked out very well they all participated in the delivering of medicine they all participated in the growing of it they all had to turn here they all had to go see cancer patients with me it was a learning education it was a learning uh, thing for all of us and I don't regret a minute of it I think it's beautiful they all became givers I just find that's amazing so anyway that part of your story I just love that we're going to transform how children are raised but that's not the direction you went <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what, as I started to work with the cannabis I plant, I realized that the people who are doing best, the, the especially the Mexican men growers, which is what we had here, that's what we had. If I had women to talk to, I would have, but it was male Mexican growing operation from sea to shining sea here in the Central Valley. That's who I was influenced by as I got into the business. Those, some of those guys are very spiritual about how they treat their plants. They meditate with their plants. They pray with their plants. They treat the plants better than they do their wives and their children. Wow. I've seen it firsthand. Uh, that got me thinking that we needed to approach our medicine from, and, and all of us were bored and done with the Catholic church, really. The whole legitimized pedophile thing that continued to go on, all of us were like done with that. But I knew my family needed to replace that with something. And that started the tension between me and my brother. And my brother couldn't handle me being a declared nun. I'll back up a little bit. So it becomes uh, the fall of 2011, Occupy Movement. I now have boys who are 20, 21 years old, down to like 15. They're all becoming very socially conscious, making us get together as a family to watch Michael Moore's latest film, watch films about what McDonald's does to you, only let us buy meat from uh, places where the cows get vacation or something. I don't know. They had, we had, we had, you know, they were starting they live, to, yeah, they're like, their eyes were opened. They were like, yes, their yeah. eyes were opening and they were becoming very socially conscious. 
So the day that we were talking about, we had already planned to go. We were very shocked that our little tiny town in Merced by early October had an actual Occupy movement. And they were meeting every Saturday and we were impressed and we were talking about going and then Congress declared pizza a vegetable to give a big finger to Michelle Obama, who very right, so much- So let's say that again, because I think that should be the name of the show. What did Congress do? Congress <laughs> gave a big finger to Michelle Obama because she cared about our children's health. And that was just too much for me. When Congress declared pizza a vegetable, I declared myself a nun. And when I said that, when I said that to the boys who were sitting in my office, OMG, Congress just declared pizza a vegetable. If pizza is a vegetable, I'm a nun. They all started laughing and said, I should go with that. I should go to the Occupy movement with that. And my sons were in there too. And I said, well, if I did that, would you all even go with me? And they said, hell yeah. They were beginning to be little activists on their own. And that's how it started. I went there. I got dubbed Sister Occupy. I got what I thought was my 15 minutes of fame. But really what happened is it started a four-year conversation of what with activist women and men from Northern California down to LA on what would a new order of nuns look like in today's day and age. And in that four-year conversation, the Sisters of the Valley was born. And so I know that you've created this this community and that you have eight tenants, right? There are eight tenants that you have chosen to live by or eight tenants that you sort of laid out? Yes, we have eight core beliefs and we- Eight core beliefs. Eight core beliefs and we have six vows that we take. So I'll quickly run through them so it's not to bore everybody, but our eight core beliefs are basically, we have to tune ourselves to the cycles of the moon is number one, we all organize our lives by the cycles of the moon. Two, we recognize that our human intelligence gives us a unique obligation to planet Earth. So we have elevated planet Earth above God. Number three is we recognize a greater power. We put God in third place because number one, he or she is invisible. Number two, people are stepping over the sick and dying to get to church in time, and that is not the point of spirituality. Number four is that we recognize both physical and spiritual worlds. And we, number five, that we seek to live in harmony with earth and her people, which is kind of a repeat of the other ones. Number six is we honor the past, the present, the future, and all we do, which is sort of another twist and making sure we take care of the planet. Number seven is we abhor victimization of people, plants, and land. And number eight is we respect all spiritual beliefs, except where they do harm or victimize others or claim to be the one and only belief system. And you really do organize your life around the moon. So I want to kind of talk about you exist as this community, but you're existing, you create products. You have great products. I have them here. I've been using them. I've been telling people. So can you talk a little bit about how your beliefs and the cycles and the moon and how all that works in terms of your product harvesting and development? Yeah. Well, when I was out in the four years that we were developing this conversation, everybody wanted me to make a religion. And you can't be a religion in America unless you're the business of selling words. We don't, I believe in the women and their power of product development and their intelligence. And part of what I believe is that the world will cure itself if women owned all the businesses and ran all the government offices. I just believe that. Amen, sister. I'm there. Okay, so so to that end, we don't need to beg for alms. And I don't think every question about our order has to answer the question, does it empower women or disempower women? If it disempowers you, we throw the rule out. So we have the question, should the, do, should the women be allowed to wear makeup or not? Well, 
does it empower them to make a rule against makeup or not? No, it doesn't empower them to do that. So we're not going to make any rules about that. Should the women be not allowed to wear tattoos? Is that empowering? No, it's not empowering. So those that's where we come from. And then, so the idea that CBD, I was running a cannabis THC business and at the time and realized that would always be a small local business. And if I wanted to do a global order or a global sisterhood, I had to have a global type of business. CBD and half is a global business. I looked yeah. at that like a newly deregulating business and where there is a newly deregulating industry you don't have to be great. You don't have to be top of the pile to find a way to make yourself a living. And my right. original goal was very modest that there would be like three of us living together so we could all share the Netflix and cable bill and still get to see Bill Meyer and, and our favorite people. It was very modest. Yeah. I didn't realize <laughs> the message would resonate as it has and we'd grow as we have. So there, okay, so there you are. So, and I know you talk, we all have a call and we've talked about this. I could be a weed nun. It kind of excites me actually, but <laughs> so you're just talk a little bit about like, are, are you, so how, how are you getting out into the world? How are you? To yes, yeah. people know so, so essentially what I did is I made my first batch of psych, uh, non-psychoactive staffs and tinctures in the fall of 2014. And I sold them on Etsy for almost a year and a half. Right. And, then, and, was it, and how were you connecting with people that just knew you already? Or um, how was, I always say I started out with five, started the business with 5,000 Facebook friends. And the very first thing I did is block all my family and my old friends and just took stranger friends because I knew they'd be kinder to me. It's just that kind of world. I think, I think I that's true. That I, that, that's actually sad, but true. <laughs> I knew that my Catholic family would not forgive me for what I'm doing. And I was right. And many of them still haven't. But interestingly enough, they'll, they'll ask me for free staff. So I don't know how that all works. So in 2014, I experimented with a line. I actually did a six-month market test where I just gave medicine away to see what people liked. Mm-hmm. I found out the Californians don't drink tea because that was in my original line. And I found really? out I could get in trouble with the law if I did one of the products, which was bud rolled in oil, rolled in keef that you oh. smoke in a pipe. But And my lawyer's like, honey, you can't do that. So, so but you we kept experimenting, with, you experimenting. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, we ended up with three things liquid coconut oil based tincture that you drop on your mouth, or it's great for pets, putting in pets or children because it's mild tasting. A very harsh alcohol tincture, which is harsh for a reason. It's the most fast acting. It's the same way you get relief almost immediately from inhaling a joint, you get that if you put that tincture right on your tongue. Where the liquid coconut oil will take five to 10 minutes to get in your system. That alcohol burns your tongue and that burnt tongue reaction is getting it into your system right away. That seizure patients use the tincture. Oh, that is so interesting because I, I I actually just recently learned that a real tincture is that ethanol. So it should have that burny thing. And that yes, what I think are tinctures are really infused exactly. oils. And, yeah. and, and so even though that's only 10% of our sale, I bet 90% of the people who buy it have seizure in pet seizures or seizure in people because it will interrupt a seizure when squirted in a mouth. So that is our, so that's where that falls. But 50%, our, our big seller, 50% of our sales is our topical staff. Yeah. And that is, we were aiming for muscle and joint pain relief, which we got, but whoa, we got so much more. We put it out there as like, we don't know what to tell you to use this for. It's organic. Experiment, tell us. People tell us that it's, it cures toothaches, earaches, hangovers. 
sleeplessness. People have replaced their sleeping pills by rubbing the salve on their temples and behind their neck at night. So uh, diaper rash, skin burns, just a whole wide range. And we call it a multi-purpose salve because we didn't really know what it would do. But our public has told us what it will do. And that's been a very interesting social walk. All right. So again, we talk about this all the time, our endocannabinoid system. It's an amazing system that we don't really know that much about because we haven't studied it enough, but these products are helping us. So if you're having some pain, you can't sleep, you're doing something, check them out. You can't hurt yourself. You can't hurt yourself. (laughs) Really can't hurt yourself. All right. So let's talk about, let's talk about vaginas and how we think mother earth and a hundred years of cannabis criminalization have hurt all of us. Like where you come down on that. Yeah, we draw a direct line between, first of all, most, I know more about Catholic Catholicism and Christianity than most Catholics and Christians, unfortunately. And they are the reason why abortion became a sin 100 years ago. And we draw a direct line between controlling women's vaginas, controlling the planet by having permission to decimate it, like fracking and plastic. Yep. And outlawing a divine feminine healing plant like cannabis. I don't know if you knew this, but I think King Ferdinand from Spain, one of the kings from Spain outlawed quinoa in South America for 200 years. And quinoa was used to barter and trade and it was to oppress the people. That was the goal because they were so reliant on it. So history has done this before. Where, oh, we're going to, and so it was definitely attack on the enlightened people, the black people, uh, indigenous people who this was their plant medicine. It was definitely attacked. And it was, and sorry, we blame Christianity for a lot of this. We blame Christianity for wiping out our Beguine ancestors who were kind of patterned after because they were holy women who owned property and were the first organized nurses in the castles of Europe. Again, Christianity and the Inquisition did that. And, and now is the time for us to dust off those old things, integrate them with new, and march forward, remembering that somebody took this away from us, and we have the right to put it back. We do. We are living in an anomaly in history. So, yeah, ladies, and I say, this is a little women's industry. We, there's reason for us to stand up. We're not asking for permission anymore. We have it. So let's use our power while we have yeah. it, because we almost lost it. Because America, we're on the brink, people. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the plant. Again, I'm terrible with plants. I'm going to try it again this year. But it's so important. All the parts, your respect for it, how you talk to it, how you grow it, how you experience it. Let's talk about how you experience the plant and the harvesting, the whole process. Because you only harvest at night, right? We all, we harvest based on, yes, we plant by, by the moon, by the moon, by the cycle. Yeah. Yeah. We plant on a new moon and we harvest on a full moon, but we, that doesn't mean we're doing it at night, but it's a long season growth. So people who say we plant, but we've had meat, uh, magazines say that we do it every month. Well, you can't, that's ridiculous. We plant around the new moon. We plant actually by the farmer's almanac uh-huh. in the spring by the new moon. And then we harvest by the full moon. That's just sort of the ancient tradition that we follow. And I like you, you actually mark it, don't you actually like mark on the. Um... Oh, yes. Every oh, the medicine is different. The medicine is made every month by the cycle of the moon. So the thing is, those are two different things. Like okay. So the whole, plant, okay. Okay. And then the making of the medicine, the plants in tons of refrigerators, and then we just pull it out. Okay. So right now, but we, because we couldn't grow enough of our own plant on this one acre farm, we acquire plant from farms nearby. 
And when COVID hit, there was a run on CBD. And so we took $22,000 worth of our SBA loan money and bought 300 pounds. And we sit, we do work the plant. We just, because the brothers actually keep it growing outside. When we get a big crop in, the sisters do the curing, the trimming and the shredding of it for tea. We now sell quite a bit of tea. And actually we call it smoker's tea because you can smoke it. We smoke it. And we've had great success with people smoking our tea to get off of other addictions uh, like cigarettes or alcohol or whatever. It's just calming as a smoking agent, but we sell it as a tea because we don't really want to be in the business of promoting smoking. But that is all because it, because we ship our tea all around the world to the Middle East and to Russia and to scary places like Alabama and Tennessee, we have to make it not look like a bud. We have to shred it so that it looks more like tea. And we do all that by hand. The sisters do. So you're part of all, so you do a part of every process. The sisters yeah. are, let's talk about the sister. We haven't even like gone through it. So who is there? Who's actually there? What countries are you in? Oh, it's so interesting what's going on right now. So because of COVID, everybody's really suffering. Nobody has money to buy. And my little startup enclaves are suffering. So over Christmas, we decided that everybody's coming back here to California. So an enclave north of us has Sister Sophia and Sister Hazel. They're now back here. And uh, Sister Maria is in New Zealand. We have about six more weeks of immigration work to do, and she'll be flying here. Brother Matt is in the UK. Now, Sister Maria is going to close her store, and Guy has already closed their store. And what we're doing is we're consolidating all the traffic to here and, and all the sisters and brothers here as a survival move to COVID. That's what's going on. Okay. So by this time, uh, middle of February, I will have Sister Maria, Sister Hazel, Sister Sophia, Brother David, Brother Matt, did I say? Yes, all living here and working the sign plate. Now we hire locals and the local people have helped us keep it together and we keep them. We're not getting rid of them. them. They've kept held us together. But we also went over COVID from having 10 people work in this one acre farm to having four. Three sisters had to leave to go take care of elderly parents or sick niece or something in another state and employee turnover. So that's just what we have to deal with and we're dealing with it. And I'm very pleased that we're bringing in like the heads of enclaves who have an incredible amount of experience. So that's an interesting experience for COVID. You're, I assume you're a little bit isolated from a lot of people, but you're in your own world. You're- Yeah, we are. And we're very, we're like crazy old Amish people who are afraid to talk to the public. That's what we're like now. <laughs> well, who would have thought? All right, let's talk about, you have a patent going don't you are patent yes, where, where yes. are you where are you in that process if it isn't causing me headache there's like a year and a half to lay on it because an article the very first article that was done on me calls me kate Mewson. my birth name is christine Mewson. my sister kate name is because every sister at the beginning was told to take a weed handle that's what people do in the weed industry okay. and basically so you can create an identity that your children or your nieces or your parents wouldn't necessarily be stumbling across you on social media. So it's a bit like taking a second name. So the first article came out and just called me Sister Kate and didn't name me. And then all the other articles. So every time it gets for the final stamping with the patent office, they point to an article about me and say, oh, this has been done before. But it's an article about me. About you. <laughs> yeah. So it's imminent that we'll straighten this out, but it's a bit of a mess for the lawyers. They're annoyed too, because they've three times 
had me like certified, asked me, and they're now asking the patent office, what more do you want? That's her. She started this. So what, the reason we got a patent basically is we knew we were going to want to grow enclaves around the world. We wanted to have the right to thump anybody who tried to imitate us. And we wanted to protect our methods of making the medicine, even though if you told me that you were experimenting at home with cannabis and making dandelion root tea come together, cannabis, hemp tea, and root tea together, and that was your business and you were doing by the cycle of the moon, we would go, yay, great for you. Everybody should do that because it puts us in the energy. We're not trying to stop anybody from doing what's ancient and normal. We're just trying to protect ourselves in case anybody went out there and tried to use our brand. Okay. So, so what, all right. So it's a patent on your, what's it a patent? It's a patent on our medicine making processes. You're not allowed to patent the actual medicine that's made of all different ingredients or the cannabis, but you're allowed to patent your methods. So that's what the methods. Okay. Well, that's very exciting. All right. So let's see, I have a couple more minutes. I'm going to take a break and we're going to do like a quick little sponsorship sure. thing and then we're going to come back on the other side with my friend sister kate sisters of the valley her amazing products her crazy story and what it's like to harvest and create by the moon we'll be back in a minute surprise it's me again i wanted to take a minute to thank everyone who's made season two of the Mom show so much fun and so popular honestly i'm a little overwhelmed and to show our gratitude the Mom show team has some exciting news to share with you If you are a cannabis-focused business or want to find cannabis industry connections in your field or want to engage with cannabis activists, we want to hear from you. Because beginning in 2021, The Cannamon Show will be offering sponsorships that will allow you to support the voices of women in this industry that need to be elevated and give you the opportunity to connect with the thousands now engaged each and every week with The Cannamon Show on multiple social media platforms, podcast distribution sites, and internationally on our Canadian Cannamom Amy Ryman site, Hip Lives. So if you sell a product, offer a service, or want to engage others, the Cannamom Show wants to hear from you. And together, we will crush that cannabis stigma one can of story at a time. Now, back to the show. All right, we are back on the other side. A few more minutes with my friend, Sister Kate. But before we get back to her, I just want to talk a little bit about the amazing Technicolor Cannabis Quilt. I yeah, wait, good. I got the music, Joyce. Oh, you got it. Okay, finally. Yeah, okay. And a lot more colors, but we're not going to go yes. through all <laughs> All right, so you all know I'm like a weird, I'm like the most nerdy person. I can't believe I work in the cannabis industry. I like the quilt. I listen to, you know, musical theater. So I am going to show this and maybe Dave can describe it as I walk backwards and he can tell you how it looks and then i'm going to tell you when i'm going to finish it and what's going to happen to it so joyce has a quilt it is the base color is black but it is it has just an amazing array a tapestry of you if you will of shapes <laughs> there are rectangles and squares and so many different colors and they are all with a pattern of the familiar cannabis leaf if i'm not mistaken yes each has yes. a different cannabis motif some of them are actually one of the fabrics has the chemical THC, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so it has everything on there. It really is stunning. I'm not just saying that. Well, thank you. So last year, if anyone was following me last year, I did a giveaway on Mother's Day of the Bong for Mom quilt. So I don't know if there's going to be a giveaway. I don't know if there's going to be like a contest with my can of women who have been telling their stories. But sometime around Mother's Day, somebody out there might be able to win it. 
if you have any ideas, let me know. I've been posting about it on Instagram. If you want to see the process of me, my dog, and my three cats who have been helping me put it together. So That would fetch a pretty penny at, at auction at a cannabis paraphernalia memorabilia auction if such a thing ever existed so i was i don't know i don't know how you can let go of it if i put that much work into something and it looks that good i would have a hard time i've been making them for so long and like my kids when they're little they're like nobody wanted another quilt not another quilt nobody wants one (laughs) i made all of my kids one year an occupy wall street quilt oh it had a flag in with ribbons in the corner that said OWS in the flag, like an American flag with OWS where the stars go and, and their quilts. And they're kind of the same way. We're done with your quilts now. Whatever. It's awesome. It's a way to still, it's just another way of telling a story. And I actually have been financing the show by making t-shirt quilts. So if you need a t-shirt quilt, I'm your girl. All right. So we're back with my friend, Sister Kate of the Sisters of the Valley. So I know COVID's upended everyone's life and obviously it's upended yours and your plan. So what is it? 2021, what do you think is going to be different? Where do you think we're heading? I've been, I kind of joke about this. I'm Jewish and I am religious now and I've been spending every Friday night in my soul and um, on Rosh Hashanah, I was in my little porch, like by myself with my, on my computer, my whole community and I candles going. And then I heard that Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. And I just remember feeling, I actually felt like, I felt like I was forsaken. I'm like, oh no, I really felt bad. But then after that night, and I joke with Dave all the time, 5781, everything felt a little bit like a shift. So little bits of good news, little bits of good news. So what are you seeing in 2021 for you? Well, I feel uh, right now, I feel like popping the champagne if I had any. I'm not going to risk COVID for it, but I feel like it because of what just happened in Georgia. I mean, finally the adults are going to be running the White House for a while. And Mitch McConnell's not going to go away, but the country has spoken. We're, everyone's tired of it. It makes me feel really good about our country, men, that Biden won by like 77 million or 7 million, whatever. He won by 28%. I forget. I knew the numbers a week ago. But he won by 28%. If, he, if it would have been just a, a, a tie, I would still be mad at all of America. But he won by a lot on the popular vote. And so I'm going into 2021 feeling very optimistic. For the sisterhood, we have a lot of change going and we're all kind of piling in on each other. So that ought to be interesting. But uh, from a business standpoint, we are going to, instead of expanding our CBD line, we're going to look at mushrooms, actually. Uh, We started all taking mushrooms when COVID started at the urging of my son, who had done some research, not the psilocybin, not the magic mushrooms, just mushroom powder complexes, Um, reishi and tiger's mane. And there's like six of them that are known to be mood stabilizers. And oh my goodness, it is such a difference in how everybody gets along. There has not been one harsh word or one argument unable to resolve since we all started doing that when COVID started. And it really made a believer out of all of us. So now we're looking at where we can start our own operations on that. And if we can't, if we can't, if we're not good at it commercially, we'll at least make it for ourselves this year. Well, that's an interesting. Well, I was, I always say, if you want any hips on how to live in a house full of people, like my life is a, a sitcom. There's six people, a dog, three cats. I run a boarding house. There are musicians. I have a rock band in my garage. It's a WeWork space. It's never quiet here. Cannabis made it possible. Like we stopped drinking in my house. Like 
I don't. Yeah, think no. I, I was just, I was really shocked that there was like no. Everybody's kind of off of sugar. Everybody's off of wine. Everybody is very conscious of what to put in their body that will make it so that we all live in harmony together. And that's amazing to me. And I think the the sort of ashwagandha roots and some of the things that we're all taking on a regular basis since COVID started, that has made just such a big difference. Some of those things, those mushrooms create new neural pathways that give you new ways of solving old problems. And I see that in play now all around me. So yes, we. I think we're going to be trying to expand into that world. That is, that is the world that's like I just interviewed an attorney, an attorney, the psilocybin, cannabis, I, I don't know, like mushrooms, I, I, all this. It's it's not just cannabis as my husband's fun. I'm moving on. I'm learning more. So that's happening in 2021. So we're out of time, actually. So Sister Kate, if anyone uh, wants to get in touch with you, what's the easiest way to reach you, find your products, all that? Our products, uh, thank you, Joyce. This has been wonderful. Our products can be purchased on sistersofvalley.org. That's our store. But if you're interested in joining our fellowship program and sort of becoming our, our church people, we have, we're on Patreon, Sisters of the CA Valley, Sisters of the California Valley, but Sisters of CA Valley in, in, on Patreon. And that'll all be on the notes, of course, because it's always in the notes. And that is another show, my friends. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Thank you, Sister Kate, for starting off 2021. I had a little break of doing the interviews. I'm happy to be back. I'm feeling good about this year, and I'm, I'm just grateful to be with you. So thank you. Thank you, Joyce. And my Canterbro, David Yez, nice to see you. Peace and love in 2021. 2021. Of course, my new social media manager, Catherine, you are killing it. I'm loving it. You're getting some colors out there. We're like upgrading our image. It's a it's all new, a new world. I want to thank Josh Lampkin and Bella Jaffe for writing and performing the Canon Mom theme music. And most of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Canon Mom show where we are talking about caring for and giving a voice to women in the emerging cannabis industry. One can of story at a time. I'm your host, Joyce Gerber. This is the Cannon Mom Show, and we are a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. How do cannabis CEOs balance growth and optimization strategies? What is THCO, Delta 10, and CBNA, and why should you care about these minor cannabinoids? And why is an endocannabinoid system covered in medical school? Most people think they're up to date in trends in the cannabis industry, but they're about six weeks behind. Learn about what is truly next in the cannabis space by joining myself, Brian Fields, and Kellen Finney every week on the Dime Podcast, and of course, on PodConnects.